Well, I'm going to attempt something that um, uh, I don't think I've ever done in the timeline is that, that, that we're going to do today. So um, hopefully you'll be able to, f uh, that I'll be able to present it in such a way that's uh, somewhat easy to follow. And whenever we think of creation, when we think of how that God has created us and, and, and um, how that he has imparted things into our life, we have to do it within the framework of what we spoke about in Sunday school was truth and what? Love. So truth and love are the basis of what God has done in our life. Now, we're going to turn to Genesis. I love it. <laughs> the makeup of man. There we go. That's, that's kind of the title of my sermon, the makeup of man. Uh, so... <laughs> They got some makeup there. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 5, 6, and 7, that's where we're going to start. And I, and I have probably six or seven references in different books of the Bible that I'm going to kind of pull out here and put together. But I want to do it in such a way that gives us an overall picture of what's, what's going on in, in, in us and with us. What's going on for us? Okay, Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. At the time God made earth and heaven, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground, God hadn't yet set rain on the earth, nor was there anyone around to work the ground. The whole earth was watered by underground springs. God formed man out of the dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man, the man came alive, a living soul. Now, I was reading on some of the aspects of and the internet about creation versus evolution and all that. And, uh, of course, they're, they're the, the people who are against the idea of creation say that the makeup isn't right. That, and, and, and the idea is that they didn't have the right dirt. So I went out and I bought organic dirt. So what we are going to do today is we are going to make man. I may need some help making man, but or making a woman, but anyhow, we got dirt, and it's organic dirt, okay? So, I don't know if there's a difference between regular dirt and organic dirt, but we got organic dirt. Now, I'm not cleaning this up afterwards, so, <laughs> if you know, just so if you were wondering, but um, anyhow, we got dirt. Now, did you, did you ever wonder why this all got started? And why is it so important that dirt become life and life become friends with God and friends with God live forever? <laughs> you know, and whenever we start thinking about this and you start putting it together, well, if we're just a piece of dirt, if we're just dirt, what happens in this whole process that makes us so special? And how is it that this specialty that God has created how is it that we have such an important function? And why is it that there are so many choices for us to do? Well, let me start with this. Um, it says in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what it means, and really the states, one of the, one of the Greek texts, Hebrew texts, whatever, says that before the beginning began, there was God. I'll always love that. Before the beginning began, there was God. What that means is, before there was creation, 
Creation was the beginning of time. So before time began, there was God. So God, was, God always was, always will be. So God, and before time began, there was God. Now in this place, before time began, he created angels. And angels were created as servant beings. And they served God, worshipped God, and uh, they were part of the heavenly host and so on. But there was one, <laughs> Lucifer, and Lucifer was the most important, most powerful angel of heaven. He was next to God. He was the one who, uh, one, one, one part of translation has it, he was a light bearer. So, and Jesus is the, the, the light of the earth. So it's like Lucifer had, one of, had the highest position in all of heaven. Now, what happened was, as you read through all the different texts and so on, you find that Lucifer became jealous. He became envious. He became wanting of worship. And so Lucifer decided to lead a rebellion against God, and he, he rounded up one-third of the angels of heaven and led a rebellion against God as if he could overthrow God. And, of course, <laughs> he didn't. And uh, God kicked him out, kicked him out of heaven. We now call those Lucifer, Satan, and the fallen angels demons. But the idea is that what was, what was so important about this fall. What was so important about this fall that has an, has an impact upon our lives? If you think about what are the characteristics, and I don't like to spend a lot of time on that, but what are the characteristics of evil? The characteristics of evil are the three basic ones. Um, steal, kill, and destroy. Um, So the characteristics of evil are to steal and to kill and to destroy. And there are three ways that it is influenced in our lives. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Looks good, feels good, it's going to make me more than what I am. So whenever we think of evil coming into our life, it comes, in the, it comes with the purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. Or it's going to make me look good, it's going to make me feel good, it's going to make me more than what I am. Every temptation, everything that would destroy this piece of dirt, <laughs> you and I, the, the, everything that would destroy us is wrapped up in one of those categories. Stealing, killing, and destroying. So why is this so important? So when God then created, we go into the time. We have the creation. God made man in his image. It says that God formed man out of the dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became alive, a living soul, the breath of life. So God took this dirt, formed it into a man, but the difference is, now when it talks about creation of all the animals, God spoke them into existence. Now, and to those of you who may, you know, may be influenced or, or think about um, evolution and things, evolution is based upon random choice, random acts. Random acts of things coming into existence, of things hitting each other and coming together. That all of the planets and all the solar systems and all the stars and everything came together in those random acts. Plus, then you have the random acts of 
cells and things coming together to form some type of a, an amoeba, which then uh, from all living things came from those cells and so on in the scum of a pond. And then we got the right natural. Some people are the scum of the earth, but they didn't come. They, they, was, they did that naturally. Okay. Uh, so we have, in, in any research, there is always the looking for design. There is always the intelligent design. In any science, it's always intelligent design they're looking for. If you go to the genogram, uh, uh, you know, they've just marked this out in the last couple of years, the genogram of a human, of a person, it is an intelligent design. There, you know, it, it is impossible for it to be random acts of things bouncing around and coming together. Okay. So what happens is God created us. And he created us from the dust of the earth. Now, the, the critics say, well, the, the, the makeup of a man is not like the dust of the earth. Well, the idea is that everything that is in us is found in the, in the earth, meaning that there is oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, chlorine, 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 sodium, magnesium, iron, cobalt, copper, zinc, uh, um, iodine, selenium, and fluorine. Fluorine, 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 whatever. Fluorine. So all those things make us up. So we are made from, and those elements are in the earth. So whenever we come to this place uh, in, in us, we go to Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said, I know I saw Satan fall as a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I have given you. So when Lucifer fell, it was he was kicked out. He was kicked out of the heavens. And then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. This is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. So, man is created, it's put in the garden. All right? Now we got the tree. There are two trees. Now, we often don't think of this. There are two trees in the garden. There's a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why wasn't it a temptation? Jesus, God didn't say to, uh, to Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of life. Tree of life, so we were created to live forever. But evil's intent is to destroy what God has created. And when God says don't do something, he says it in the context, I've got a higher purpose. God says to you, I have a higher purpose for your life than what evil and what the lust of the eyes, lust of flesh, and pride of life can be. You see, I have a, better, I have a greater purpose for your life than what's going to make you look good and feel good and uh, make you more than what you are. Because the intent of evil is to destroy and to take the life, not the dirt, the life that is in the person Evil's intent is to make that life disappear in hell, where it's eternal separation from God. God's intent is for us to live forever with him. And so he gave us a choice, which means that we get to choose. We choose. 
what type of life we're going to live. We choose what type of perspective we're going to have. We choose. You see, we are here. You are where you are at because of the choices you have made. You will be at the end of your life where you are at based on the choices you make. You make wrong choices. We may, if we make wrong choices and we follow through with those wrong choices, <laughs> prisons are full of people that wish they had made different choices. People's lives have been destroyed because of the choices they've made. Now, evil comes along and says, temptation says, well, hath God really said? Did God really mean that? Do you really think you need to do that? Do you really think, you, you, you know, by not doing certain things, that that's going to make a difference in your life? You see, that's the same temptation that came to Adam and Eve. They looked at, and not the fruit of whatever the tree is, I say it was a melon. This was a melon tree. Because Eve offered Adam a melon, and it was a honeydew melon, and man has been eating it ever since. That's a little joke. Honey, do melon. Honey, do this. Honey, do that. I know. Back to the dirt. Anyhow, <laughs> so along comes and we'll, we'll use because we always use the illustration of an apple and apple. Okay, we'll say it's an, we'll say it's an apple and melon. We don't know what the fruit is, but it was there. But the temptation was to disobey the commandment of God and to disobey the commandment of God. They see, the commandment of God is that God has a purpose. God had a purpose for Adam and Eve not eating of that fruit because that this, this, this garden and the creation was not about them. It was about God. You see, the creation and the place that we live isn't about us. It's about God and what God wants to do in our life. God has a purpose for our life. Our sins drag us down. God wants to free us forgive us, liberate us, set us free, and, and, you know, he wants to do a work in our life to change us. All right? So, what is the temptation? The temptation is, look at, looks good, the apple, feels good, and it's going to make me more than what I am. You will be like God. Think about temptations. Think about peer pressure. Think about your friends people you associate with? Do they want you to do things you don't feel comfortable with? Do they want you to do things that make your, makes your heart hurt when you do them? That's God saying, don't do it. See, that's God telling us, don't do it. Don't eat of that. You don't belong that in that group. You don't belong in that setting. You don't because you are of a different origin. Well, they're dirt and I'm dirt, but what's inside of you is life, the life of God. And the life of God makes a difference in you and how you think and how you respond and how you live because you have a heavenly father that wants to do good in your life and take you and to let you live your life out. God leads his people into heaven. The devil addicts them into hell. <laughs> Addictions. 
things that they can't, they, get, they become addicted to that, that they, you know, it's like they have no choice. And the addictions drive them or pull them, drag them into, away from God. But God always gives us the ability to choose. So in the garden, they had the choice. Don't eat of the tree. Um, the commandment not to eat was let man, God letting man know that he owns this place. God owns this place. And that there is a greater purpose for what you are and who you are than just not eating of the tree. So God created us to walk with us. And the great thing about the garden was... <laughs> the great thing about... Yeah, I didn't throw that at you, Joe. Uh, the great thing about the garden was God came down in the cool of the day to walk with man. The idea of creation was that God wants to walk with you. God wants to be your friend. God wants to inspire you, encourage you, give purpose to you. And, and, you know, again, our failures are about letting go of them, you know, and God can turn them around and things like that. But God wants to do a work in us. So God is doing something. He wants to walk with us. Um, back to Luke chapter 10. Um, beginning, at, Jesus says that I saw Satan fall as a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See, see what I've given you. Safe passage. Now, when God walks with us, He's telling his disciples here, and he's telling the, the individuals that he's speaking to here, the passage to walk on snakes and scorpions and protect you from every assault of the enemy. Who is the enemy of our soul? This guy over here. His desire, evil's desire, is to stop you from being what God wants you to be. <laughs> now, Evil doesn't know everything. Now, we have to respect evil because evil is pretty powerful. Even, even Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. I remember once we were, um, we were in Bible college and we walked, I know I've used this, maybe some of you have heard this before, but tough, got to hear it again. Uh, <laughs> we were in Bible college and um, we would always go down on the, you know, into Providence in, uh, at night you know, Saturday night or Friday, Saturday night. And generally, there was no one in town but really people who were, you know, pretty the down and outers. And we would talk to them about God and give them materials and, and witness to them. But we would park our car in one spot, same spot every night, and we'd walk down the street, and there was this palm reader who was always in the window beckoning us to come in, come in, come in, come in, you know. Come on in, come on in, let me read your palm and all that stuff. So... One night, my friend says, let's go in. So we went in. And she says, she reached out to grab our hand, says, let me tell you your future. And we took out a Bible and laid it in her hand and said, let us tell you your future. The lady screamed. It was like we had burnt her with a hot iron. She screamed and says, I don't want your spirit in here. I don't want your spirit in here. I have children in here. Get your spirit out of here. And she ran to the back. She ran out of the room. And the mother, the old, an older lady, come out and says, Oh, please go, please go. We don't want you disrupting our spirit. You see, there is a contention. There is conflict in our life over good and evil. And we will always have this. 
Because evil doesn't give up on trying to get you, and God never gives up on you. That's why there are, sometimes we have to make, and that's why we make choices. But the great thing, and what I'm going to go with this is, the soil, every time we think of what God wants to do, God's word is like planting seeds in our life. Isn't it unique how that the scripture talks about how that God is planting? God has a purpose for the soil. God has, and he wants to plant in our life. What does he plant? He plants love. You sow love, you reap love. You plant forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. You plant joy, you reap joy. You want to be friends with somebody? Be friends. You see, if you, you want things, and the scriptures talk about how that God is at work, what's he doing? The life that he has given to this piece of dirt, the life is his breath. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body long after this body has gone back to dirt. The spirit in us is alive, and God's spirit will quicken it, and we, will, we live forever. We are alive in Christ. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. So the life in us will never die. The life in us will never die. Do we, are we tempted? Sure. Jesus was tempted. Do we think we're better than him? We're going to be tempted. And when the devil came to Jesus, it was the lust of eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. It's going to make you look good. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you more than what you are. That's peer pressure. So, we go on. No one can put a hand on you. This is talking about in Luke chapter 10, verse um, 18 to 20. And he says, the greatest triumph, the greatest triumph is not your authority over evil, but God's authority over you and presence with you. It isn't what we can do. It's what God is doing in us. It's what God is doing in us. He is changing me. He is changing my life. He's giving me a different perspective. He's giving me a different approach to my life. Why? Because I have a divine purpose. God has a place for me in this life and in this place where I'm going and the places that I live. God has a way of working in us. It's not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. God is at work in my life. So we find that when we go out into here, into our life, God is at work. He's at work in me. Now, we go on to Mark chapter 4. We did this last week. The farmer, what does he do? What's the farmer do? What's he do with seed? He plants it. He plants the word. So the, in, in, in the scripture we have here, the farmer plants the word. Some people are like seed that falls on hardened soil, which is the road. What happens to the seed that's on the road? It's plucked up. What about the seed on the gravel? Well, they respond with enthusiasm, but they're shallow soil. And what happens whenever we got shallow soil? <laughs> Dies out quickly. Well, the third, the third one is the seed that is cast upon the weeds. 
represents those who hear the kingdom and they're overwhelmed by worries. They got too many other things growing in their lives. And the word of God just kind of gets choked out. But the fourth one is the good earth. Represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and they produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Now, if I took one kernel of corn, put it in here, and it grew, what would I get? Corn. How many ears? Anybody know? How many ears do yours you get on a stock? At least two. Well, sometimes one, somebody, sometimes two. How many kernels of grain are on each ear? Huh? Take a guess. 100? Say 100. So if you have 100 on one ear and 100 on the second ear, how many kernels do you have? 200. What did I plant? One. I planted one kernel. I got 200 back. What's the Bible say? The seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. What is God planting in our lives? You see, he's preparing the soil, how? By forgiving us. He's preparing the soil by telling us about his grace, his mercy, he gives to us what we don't deserve. He gives us his love. His mercy, spoke about this in Sunday school, his mercy is what I deserve he doesn't give me. <laughs> you know, when I do bad, he doesn't punish me for that badness. He looks beyond my faults and sees my needs. That's mercy. Grace is he loves me even though before I even knew him, he loved me. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy break up the soil. Put the nutrients in it. The nutrients is our life. The seed is the word of God. And when God is telling us about love and forgiveness, those are seeds growing in our life. What's the benefit of it? Forgiveness allows us to go forward in life. We've been talking a lot about this, that that which offends us only weakens us. And whenever I am offended, I back away from. Forgiveness allows me to work through things, to move through them and go, on, go beyond them. So when I forgive people, I let go of the hurt and I move on. Hatred, anger, and bitterness cause me to build walls that keep me from going in a direction. So the principles of God are saying, if you want to grow seed in your life, forgive. If you want to grow a harvest in your life, love. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and long-suffering. Those are the seeds of God that grow in our life that other people harvest that make my life better and make their life better. James 3.18. Real wisdom. God's wisdom begins with a holy life and characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable and overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next, or two-faced. <laughs> you see, not two-faced. I'm the same person. Whether I'm at home, whether I'm with my friends, whether I'm at work, I'm the same person. You see, the character of, the character of God is that we're not changing to be different with each person. 
We are being ourselves with God because God is walking with me and I want to be one with him and he is one with me and I'm not being different because I'm with you. <laughs> Character. Go on, it says, and you can develop a healthy, robust community, church, that lives right with God and enjoys its result only if you do hard work of getting along. <laughs> hard work of getting along? with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. And finally, 1 Corinthians 15. This image of planting a dead seed and raising life, raising a live plant, is more a mere sketch at best. Whenever you plant a kernel of corn, what, happens, what has to happen to that kernel in the ground? It dies. But as it dies, what happens? It begins a new life. The scripture says that we die to our old nature. We are alive to Christ. We die out to evil desires. And we are alive for a higher purpose. While you were yet in your mother's womb, God knew you, formed you. Put all the seeds in there all the seeds in your life that you needed to grow. And in our life, as we serve God and we turn our life over to God, these things begin to sprout. You know, I never dreamt I would be a preacher. I never dreamt that I would be in front of people. When I was a teenager, I was going to play football. I was going to be a football coach. I was going to be, you know, that, because that was what I wanted to do. I was pretty good at it. <laughs> and... Uh, um, but there, was, there were things in me that God saw that I didn't see. And it, and it began with a, with a desire to go to Bible school and the, that I would be a, a preacher. I couldn't preach. I couldn't speak. They gave me, one time they asked me to speak at a youth meeting for 20 minutes, and I did five minutes and said I was done. I had nothing else to say. You all pray for that now. <laughs> you don't know what happened. You're praying, God, shut him up. But anyhow, I'm almost done. So, the, the idea is that according to the mystery of the resurrected body, but only if you keep in mind that when we are raised, we're raised for good and we are alive forever. That when Christ is in us and the resurrection comes full, you know, in us, the same spirit, when we ask Christ into our life, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And when he is alive in us, we are alive forevermore. And yes, there's a battle. Yes, there are temptations. But we are greater than our tempter. Christ is in us. And it is his hope and his life that he has given to us. And because he lives, we shall live also. That because Christ has overcome evil, we overcome. Because of what Christ has done, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the one who gives me life. Christ in me, the one who enables me to be more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Amen? So that is a long journey. <laughs> From before the beginning began till now, till eternity future, when we live with God forever. Amen?